Today is not about me. It's about my absolute wonderful mentor, John Gray, a friend of mine who is on today as this first guest. He is the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, plus 22 other books. USA Today listed Mars, Venus as one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century. All right, in hardcover, it was the number one best-selling book of the 90s, even outsold the Bible. And he has now, as I said, written 23 books. And if you haven't read them, you gotta get them. He's appeared repeatedly on Oprah, Dr. Oz, Today's Show, pretty much the list goes on and on. And he's also had a three-hour special that was hosted by none other than Barbara Walters. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program. And this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable. And we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the Business Bootcamp, which is a five-day free event. And get involved with this because the pearls that we're going to be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money, and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next boot camp. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Well, we have a lot to cover, and I know that we have gone through so many conversations, and I'll never forget the three-hour-plus interview that you and I did together. I didn't even want to end it after three hours, and and I think because you know people might not even realize that you were also a monk for, was it nine years? Nine years, nine years. Nine years. So I think you could have actually gone for hours and hours and hours more. And I finally, I finally said, I I, got to call this one. (laughs) So (laughs) tell us, tell us more about some of the significant relaunches that you feel that you have gone through. Well, that's so amazing. Uh, Yeah. I see my life is filled with uh, relaunches as opposed to right now, even the I guess the big relaunch for me was as a teenager, then going to Woodstock festivals. Okay. So these were very exciting. We all were getting high and so forth, but then you'd crash down. So that was awakening for me as a teenager and girls was a big awakening for me. So that that was a relaunch. Okay. Now I'm interested in girls and getting high. Which could could be a whole nother show. (laughs) For certain. Then, uh, so my big relaunch was, uh, uh, you know, it was 
after Woodstock, I just felt a, such a low. And the Beatles said, you can get high without getting low and learn how to meditate. So that was a huge relaunch in my life. I became the personal assistant to Maharishi, a guru from India, who's still quite popular. He's passed on, but transcendental meditation is a very, very good basic meditation technique. There's many, but that was the one I was focused on. And I was his personal assistant. I was a Hindu monk, celibate for nine years. Uh, absolute celibate. And that was amazing. I could sit after many years of practice, I would sit in meditation for 12 hours effortlessly enjoying it pretty much the way people enjoy uh, having sex. <laughs> I mean, but it was a different type of energy just being drawn into that. And that was wonderful. But then it was a huge relaunch at that point. Uh, I, one day I just sort of everything I was drawn to my teacher, because he was an amazing person uh, and very enlightened. And that was the word that enlightenment and then I found my own, I found myself and didn't know what I was supposed to do in the world. So I remember getting on a plane and saying, okay, God will provide and going, going from Switzerland to LA, thinking somebody was gonna meet me. <laughs> I'll meet somebody, nobody met me. I called up a friend, he took me, but I was basically, that was the beginning of the relaunch, which every relaunch is, there's some kind of trauma for me at least. Uh, and I was broke. I was homeless on the beach for a while until I, I called my mom and said, mom, would you give me some money? <laughs> and she said, uh, if you go back to school, I'll pay for your school. So that was it. So I went back and studied something to be financially independent. So I studied computer science and that, so that was another relaunch. Okay. So I had to make money. And once I was able to make enough money, I started saving it up. And now I could now start my own seminar company. That was a relaunch because, you know, here I am uh, starting a whole new company, but I had to have savings for it. So I realized I don't want to be back on the homeless beach. I need to make sure I save up enough money so I can go for like a year and develop something new. So I developed my classes and that was a big relaunch for me because I was teaching something other than meditation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I only talk relationships. In, in, those yeah, in those first seminars, you were, it was really focused on relationships really focused on relationship, but primarily the first one was called uh, enlightened sexuality. Because having been a monk for nine years and now coming out in the world earning money, I was also very interested in having sex. So I had lots <laughs> of girlfriends. And because I've been a monk, I had permission to ask them, well, tell me what makes you happy because I'm a monk and haven't had a lot of sex in nine years. So <laughs> I haven't had any. So that was in itself kind of a uh, invitation for women to instruct me in what was making them most happy. And I was, every woman was a little different. And I thought, what men don't know this stuff. So the first course I decided to teach was what women, what men don't know about women and what women don't know about men in the bedroom. So okay, so wait the, a second. I have to, I have to clarify. So for nine years, you're celibate. And then all of a sudden, celibate. okay. No masturbation, even. This is like amazing. No masturbation. None. So then a lot of willpower. <laughs> okay. So then you, you come out of this and are you just, is it like you went from fame into feast? Like, you're just like, oh, I got it. You know, are you trying to experience everything? No, I was, I, part, part of enlightenment. So there's, there's levels of enlightenment. Okay. There's so many levels you get to, but when you get to a level of enlightenment, you think you're there. And part of being there for me was an experience of divine oneness with everything I saw. I saw everybody as enlightened. They just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And I saw women as like goddesses. Mm -hmm. So my heart was just so full of innocent love. 
And so I just loved women and they could feel it. I started out by reading their palm and they go from one thing to another. It was an amazing time. Uh, you know, I was not very grounded, you see. <laughs> I was up in the heavens coming out into the world and, and very sweet. And so, wait, wait. So, this first year was all about just getting yourself back out there and as getting you money, said, making, getting a, it's just surviving. Okay. I went from survival to having enough money. And then I could go to, at that time, learning about sex with women and, and enjoying it. I just wanted to feel connection to females because I had, and then for nine sharing years. it and then sharing it with your audience. Well, that's after I had enough money. So, I could say, now I'm going to, it's interesting what caused that transition really dramatically is I was a programmer at Stanford Research Institute after nine months of training. And I would do it, make a lot of money at that time, as much as a doctor. It was amazing to me. But my muscles in my neck from typing computer software was just painful. So pain. So actually the pain said, you gotta, you gotta get off this soon. And so the pain motivated a change. Then I had and it was the, the pain of being homeless that motivated me to go learn a computer school. And then the pain of sure. being successful at that motivated me into teaching, uh, into saying, okay, now I have enough money. I'm going to, I took a few other seminars that were happening in California at the time. And I thought I could do so much better and I'll do what I'm good at. And I couldn't teach meditation because as a kind of a thing, not that I didn't even want to, you know, in a sense, we teach what we want to learn. And then at a certain point, you teach what you've <laughs> learned, and that's wisdom. But I, I really hadn't, uh, part of the thing about being a TM teacher is that you're not allowed to teach what you learned there. Mm, <laughs> so, that's so, tough. And the truth is, I didn't want, I wanted to find out what more there was. As his personal assistant, he would always have me interview people and then help them ask him questions without taking an hour. So I'm like, get to the point, get to the point at that point. And when they ask relationship questions, he would always say, that's not my specialty. He'd talk about anything other than relationship. And then when I left, the only thing I talked about was relationship and sex, the two things he didn't talk about. So in a sense, I had to individuate. I had to become my own person and not rely mm -hmm. on the past and be in present time, which is what happens <laughs> when you have these beautiful meditation experiences. That's all there is. You forget everything. Well, it's so great because then you really found where you could focus that was of interest to you. And was this now starting to be in the late 80s, 90s yes, when early. you came out late, with? I came out in 78 and then at 83 is where I started. So well, then I came when I left Maharishi and the whole thing and just yeah. started over. I mean, we're talking, I was famous there. I was, they had posters of me in the TM centers. They measured my brain function because I was such a dedicated meditator. Yeah. And my picture was on the displays along with his. So it was a big deal. Then I was ostracized. I wasn't allowed to go in TM centers. They all thought I was like possessed by the devil. How could somebody so close to the guru, because he was like my dad, leave? People don't understand mm, that because they're all wanting to get sure. close to the guru. And I'm ready to go. So I got what I needed to get. And it was literally my soul was attracted to him because there was a world teacher in him. And he was a world teacher, still is when he was here. It was in me. It was part of something in him I found in me. And when it woke up in me, I just didn't feel drawn to him. Right. I didn't know why. I just didn't feel that magnetic pull. It was over. So then I so went and went to the of, next. One of the other things I have to say, another big relaunch then was you wrote men are from Mars, women are from Venus. You wrote that oh. in the 90s. Yeah. If you want to get to the 90s, let's finish the 80s. So <laughs> one of the women, I had six girlfriends at one time. I travel around 
And one of the women I ended up marrying, one of the women I wanted to marry and she wouldn't marry me. That's my wife, Bonnie of 32 years. But at mm. that time she wouldn't marry me. She says, you're not ready. And she was right. I wasn't grounded. And the other woman, I married her and just, we stayed together. We married for two years and then we broke up. And ironically, she's the woman that helped me develop my seminar and we taught it together. And so when we broke up, she, she wanted to, she wanted to marry another man. I mean, it was, I wanted to have his baby, you know, it was, it was amazing. So that's I, like, I was traumatized, you know, here's the right. woman I opened my heart to, and now she wants to be another man. I was teaching a workshop with her called making love work. So I went from enlightened sexuality to then creating a, when, once I got with Barbara, my first wife, we taught a seminar together called uh, making love work. And well, then, and that's what's so interesting, making love work. And then here your relationship is actually blowing up. Yeah. And I didn't know it was blowing up. I thought it was fine. You know, you can think everything's fine. Then suddenly you find out your partner wants to be with another person. So that was a shock to me. And then that's when I, I couldn't teach about relationships after that pain, so much pain. And how can I, how can I make a living doing what I love to do and what I love to do? I'd be hypocrite for me if I was to teach those ideas. And I don't call other people who teach ideas that they read in books. They don't have to be perfect to teach. But when the ideas are yours, see, my ideas are all original. Mm -hmm. I'm an original. I'm a source. That's from my meditation and everything. How can I, I have to be an example. So, so and I can't teach and I feel abandoned, you know? So all my childhood stuff came up, a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I have to live. So what should I do? Well, I'm a good teacher. So I'll teach a class called healing the heart. My heart was broken. So how do, how do I heal my heart? So that was a big transition. So in my life. Well, been, so what you said before was teach what you, what you learn. So teach what you're doing. You're actually having a broken heart and you're trying to fix it yes. as you go along. You're like, okay, well, if I'm trying to deal with this, let me help others do that as well. Let's create a course. That's exactly it. And I would say that up front. I didn't say, Hey, I'm this perfect person. I've right. a great relationship. I said, no, my relationship failed. My heart is broken. I've never felt this way before, but I have a skill, which is how to, I have emotional intelligence and I spent years developing that. And so I can show you my journey that I'm going through. We can go on that journey together. And it was an amazing time in my life. So that my heal, my heart started to heal. And then I called up Bonnie nine months later after I, I separated from my, my first wife. And I'd opened my heart. And I was just coming through her town and I talked to her on the phone and kabang. I said, you know, I'm ready. You're the one. And she said, no, no, no. I finished the relationship. I'm done with men for a while. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm the one for you. And I drove all night from LA to San Francisco uh, to Santa Cruz. I remember it because I had to convince her, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then after two days, we knew that was it. Uh, so we were in love before and it just wasn't the right time. And Oh, that is so great. But you actually had that experience so that you created a, it, you went from just the, that relationship, teaching about great relationships to all of a sudden, now you're, now you're back to this healing my healing my heart. Now you're going into relationships again. So John, thank you for sharing some of these because I know they're very personal and you're so welcoming with giving this out. As you said before, teach what you learn and you are willing to help people kind of move into that transformation. But let's go back to you and let's go back to your, you're trying to figure out like, you know, how I go from a broken heart. You've met Bonnie. 
you now are like, this is it, this is love. And you've gone from different types of courses where first they were all about, you know, you, uh, you know, loving and sexuality. And then it was all about like broken heart. And now you're back to being in love. Yeah. Now I'm back to being in love. And I feel like I can share with the people what I'm learning in my marriage with Bonnie. And that's pretty much what men are from Mars, women are from Venus is, is the, the challenges that we faced for the first 10 years and the, my takeaways from it. And the major takeaway was how men constantly misunderstand women and women constantly misunderstand men. And there's so many differences, but the focus on one of the key ones I learned, which was men needing to go to their caves. Okay. That was a key thing in men are from Mars. And that I could say to my wife, honey, I love you. I just need some time for myself. And I felt okay about that. I didn't feel I was bad about that because I've been a monk for nine years. Okay. My goodness. <laughs> I know that when I take time for myself, I come out with so much love in my heart. So I didn't have right, to buy but, into But what did Bonnie say to that? It took her a while to adjust to it, you know, because you don't look at your husband as a teacher. So that wasn't something she immediately adjusted to. But she would come to my classes and I would say, how many men just feel like you need to just take some time for yourself when you get home? Raise your hand. They all raise their hand. And then but before that, I would always say, how many women sometimes you just want to talk about how you feel? You don't need them to give you reasons why you don't need to feel that way. You don't need them interrupting with solutions to your feelings. How many women feel that? And then they'd all raise their hand. And, you know, and <laughs> how many men are feeling you just need to talk about your day and you just wanted to listen very few men raise yeah, their hand. Nobody raised their hand. Nobody. But I'll tell you now it's different. See, everything is switched now. If I ask the audience of women, how many of you just want to come home and talk about what you're feeling, what happened during the day and have a conversation? Some women will raise their hand, but most will go, no, I don't want to talk. I'm too busy. I'm overwhelmed. I have too many things to do. And that's called women becoming more on their male side. And, and here's like, where everyone that's listening is raising their hand. <laughs> exactly. I don't have time for that. And why it's would I want to talk about what I'm thinking and feeling anyway? Because he'll just interrupt me with solutions. <laughs> so it doesn't, you see, Solving women those problems. the he's, power he's the, mm -hmm. of, of being able to share and have everybody be present to listen to. And men, if I, how many men just want to come home sometimes and talk about what went on today and talk about your feelings? half the room or more will raise their hand. See, men have changed. So there's, that's why we went from men are from Mars to uh, and met women are from Venus to beyond Mars and Venus. What's happened today is with the society giving support for women to be independent, which I think is a man magnificent thing. Because if you're, if you're so uh, dependent on a man and you're in a dysfunctional relationship, you need to feel I can get out of this. Otherwise you need to be able to change. And so that's very, very important. But at the same time, once you have that freedom and independence to move out, uh, because keep in mind when I say that, my mother was very happy to not have a job. <laughs> she had a husband she could trust. And it was a beautiful childhood I had because I saw how it can work. But today, but it didn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. So women need to feel that freedom as well as I think women have evolved as well as men have evolved. And we need to have both the freedom to be independent and the wisdom of how to be dependent on what is available to us. So like John, I so John, when you talk about, okay, because really it's a relaunch that you had to do with the book as well, because society, um, things that were going on at the office, as you said, women, you know, are becoming far more independent. That's when you said, hey, I, I have to update the book. And that's where you came out with Beyond Mars and Venus. And that came out in uh, 
just a couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so could you help us understand what, what primarily in that, you know, period of time, 30 years, were the most significant differences that were actually happening in the workforce between men and women? Well, it's, it's once again, women being in the work, if we're talking about the workplace, the number one complaint women have in the workplace, because I've taught in the workplace and I have books on that as well, but the gender intelligence, we call it when it comes to the workplace, sounds more official, but we do the surveys and women will say, we don't feel appreciated by men. It's like they all feel unappreciated. And that's because, again, we have to understand how men and women are different. Men feel valued and appreciated when you give them a paycheck and freedom. Women feel valued when you give them a paycheck and freedom, as well as their female side has another demand. And it needs to feel, you see me, you hear me, you, you work with me. You, are, you know, this whole thing about inclusiveness that I feel included. I don't need to be so mm. included. On my male side, I want to take credit for everything I do. <laughs> give me my freedom, my independence. I'll write my own book. I'll get credit for that. I do my own thing. So men like to, with old fashioned men, they like more their independence and the workplace is actually designed to support independence. It's changing slowly over these years to become more, more team oriented. And men, men relate to team oriented because you can still be competitive with the other side yet cooperative with your team. So we wanna be the best products, make the most money of any other business like ours, let's say in the business. So, but you're kind of against the other people, but you're with your people as opposed to you're just your guy trying to win the race, a solo race. So that's one of the differences. Women feel they're not being heard. That was another thing we felt that men don't listen enough because this is basic need because biologically, and the reason I came out with this book and all the messages in it, finally I got the biology of a woman being different from a man's and that her body is designed to make babies. His body is designed to help her make babies. That's actually the relationship between men and women. And so what happens is what helps her come back to her female side is when he does helpful things for her. But women often go, why do I need a man? Because when you're independent, as opposed to dependent, there's not an awareness that once you're independent, why do you need a man? And so what you need a man for, what I define in many different ways, is someone who will be present for you, who will listen to you, who will support you, because that's going to stimulate the hormone estrogen and the workplace doesn't stimulate that. And women need more, 10 times more estrogen than men, whereas men need more testosterone. And when men are talking about their emotions and their feelings, like so many men want to do today, it lowers his testosterone and increases her testosterone and lowers her estrogen. So we're getting everything confused. Mm. Uh, we have to keep re realizing that as a man and, and a woman, I'm very similar to a woman. And many, many, every man, we're human beings. You know, we have five hands, eyes, whatever but there's certain key elements that have to do with our emotional needs. And once you, this is Maslow talked about this. Once you have your survival needs in place, your security needs, your self, a sense of confidence in who you are, your emotional needs now become primary intimacy. So how do men and women experience intimacy different? Men experience intimacy when they go into a woman's world and they feel appreciated. That's intimacy for a man. Intimacy for a woman is when she opens up, a man is there for her. So you can have, you know, <laughs> you, do you want to be the hero who empties the trash, who goes up into the roof when it's raining, do, who goes to the uh, dispute with the neighbor? Do you want to be that person? Or would you rather have a husband who does that for you <laughs> and you feel safe and secure? So there's a, there's a balance to masculine and feminine. And I'm not saying 
you know, many women go, no, I can empty the trash and whatever. Great. That's no problem. I'm sure. But I'm not happy. sure we want to, <laughs> but I do want to, I do want to mention something because having worked in the corporate world at Oracle for almost 10 years, I was that woman that was showing up as a, a, a woman trying to be a man. And a lot of times we call it the third sex, right? You're a woman who's in your femininity, you're a, a woman who's in your masculinity, and then you're a man in the masculinity. So this third sex is a woman trying to be a man in a workplace. I am seeing uh, these days as we get more evolved as books like, you know, Beyond Mars and Venus comes out and we're really taking on gender intelligence at the workplace, that there is a side now where men are actually showing more of that feminine energy and women are now saying, all right, I don't have to be so in my masculine energy. I can also be in my feminine energy and it's okay. Can you can you walk us through a little bit about how are you seeing that? Because I know you ex, you know you actually describe that a little bit in the men are from Mars, but you move you move into that in such a great way to to let people know that it's actually okay for a man to be in that feminine side and a woman to be in the masculine side as long as you come back to the other side that you can refuel. Let's let's define a little bit of what it looks like when a man's on his female side, okay. It's when he's happy with his job, when he's listening to others and cooperating with others. That's a man on his female side in a healthy way. But when men go too far their female side, they become irritable, they become grumpy, they become passive, they become lazy, uh, they become unmotivated. And you'll see as a general rule, now we have uh, women are way more motivated to be successful on an average than men. That's why you'll see women under 35 without children making more money than men. That's another statistic people don't hear. If you're college educated and you're a woman, you're 35 and under 35 and you don't have children because children will cause you to shift your motivation from just being so successful in the workplace. Doesn't mean you're not going to be motivated. You're just not going to be as motivated. You don't have a life. <laughs> yeah. So there's those are some statistics they don't say, uh, but when you were as far as college educated goes, there's two women to every man who graduates from college. What just happened? See, men are losing their motivation as they go too far to their female side. And they complain, them? they whine, what, they resent. What's causing That's, them? What's causing them to go to that female side? Freedom. Okay. It's see, think about when I was talking about in my transitions. It was, I remember listening to the music as a teenager when I became a hippie. That's me going to my female side. Do what you like, do what you like. Free sex. Don't have to make a commitment. Don't have to do the difficult, dangerous stuff. You have to just, you can enjoy your life more. So men who just want to enjoy their life more, that's they're on their female side. But can they also work hard? Can they also be disciplined? Can they also be respectful to others? Can they also be uh, uh, dependable? So what we're seeing now is women are way more dependable in the workplace on a general rule. There's always exceptions to this, sure. but you know that as a woman, <laughs> women see themselves sure. as better than men and they do accomplish more than men these days in the workplace. There's no doubt about it. They're desirable because, you know, one of the things about a woman when she's on her male side, she basically doesn't think so much about doing what she likes. She's given up what she likes. Then when she comes home, she might complain about what she doesn't like at work, but she just She's sacrificing because her goal is to get respect, be appreciated, to be valued, to make money, to get it done. So she's going over there and there's a place of power that feels really good. Everybody loves power. Now that's one side of us. 
The flip side of it is everyone loves to have pleasure. So we have this massive epidemic of men doing porn. That's just mm -hmm. pure pleasure. You get more pleasure out of masturbating to porn than you can have with a woman if you look just at the pleasure side of it. That's why it's so addictive to men. That's why I don't recommend it at all. I think you're throwing away your soul to do that. For women, I think you're throwing away your soul when you just complain about your husband or you complain about your life and you go to a therapist and all you do is complain, which does happen, and you get addicted to therapy because it does raise your estrogen. Women need 10 times more and porn will raise your testosterone because men need 10 times more than a woman. So you see, we naturally, we go out of balance. It's pretty predictable where men are gonna go. They're gonna do what they like or they're gonna throw tantrums. And what women are gonna do when they're out of balance is make a lot of money and not care about values, the, the old fashioned values. But one of the things you did say is that women are, you know, we're getting more into the workforce, we're, we're taking on those higher power jobs, more coming into entrepreneurship. And there is that moment that I always love talking to you about where you leave the office, you leave your home yeah. office, which is so difficult these days. And how do you build up in your mind, what's the best way for a woman to kind of segue in from I'm working, I'm working to back to being a wife, a mother. I know a man needs to go to the cave and kind of unwind, but what, what can a woman do? Okay. So when a woman is in the workplace, we, a lot of the people who teach about, you know, for women in the workplace, it's called work-life balance, mm. but they don't yet understand that how you find that balance. Okay. Because so many women say, I have no time for me. I have no time for me. I come home and I'm overwhelmed. Well, that's like you're addicted. You're addicted to doing and solving problems. Just like some people are addicted to ice cream or cocaine. Mm -hmm. Men are addicted to porn. Women are busy. Their brain is addicted to either doing, 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 or We're so busy being doing, busy. Doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, busy being busy. And that's addiction. You're producing cocaine in your brain. They've done brain scans on people who complain a lot and they're, they're producing dopamine. So, and then they go to therapy. And they, are, they go to their friends and they mm. just they get what's called validation, everybody agreeing that you're a victim and you're unhappy. What we need is a new kind of validation. And that's what women need is to come home and feel that your husband is there for you. He's your backup, but you have to open up to receive his backup. He has to learn how to give it, which is listen. She has to learn how to communicate what's really going on inside of her. Because women are so busy thinking, I'm upset because I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I need to do this as opposed to when you feel that way, what emotions are going on inside of you? Can you share your disappointment and just feel, see disappointment is not a busy emotion. It's a sad mm. emotion. And you we can, also, can you share, can you share your frustration? I am, cause, oh, I'm so frustrated. You are frustrated, but can you say, you know, what's making me frustrated is I feel I have to do this, I have to do that. Usually that's the surface level, but even to acknowledge the emotion, this is emotional intelligence. Then underneath that frustration, is a sadness, it's a disappointment. I feel disappointed about this and this and this. And underneath all sad frustration, disappointment is I worry, I'm concerned, you know, but you have to be so too professional. Here because usually women are the emotional ones. They're talking, they're, they want to give everything else. It's like, here's what happened to me all day. But what you're saying now is what's really happening is what's really going on inside instead and deep of just, inside it's yeah. feelings of insecurity and fears and doubts and nervousness and, and, and embarrassment. We all do things we're embarrassed about mm -hmm. and think about, again, we're talking about intimacy for a woman. Intimacy is a man can go deeper inside of you than anybody else gets to mm -hmm. immature intimacy, but girls go through it. They all tell each other their secrets. And then you feel like we're really close. Well, what are the secrets? What are you not sharing with people at the workplace? 
And probably you come home and you don't have even, you, you don't want to share that with your partner or you can't share that with partner because they'll interrupt you. And what happens when you don't share what your emotions are, they magnify and they magnify and they get projected onto, this is basic psychology, they get projected onto the person who's safest. And that would be the person you had sex with. Mm. But if you've had sex with your partner, then all of those emotions, they start reacting to your partner in an amplified way, which is what Freud would explain is almost all problems in relationships start with overreaction. John, this is so great. And as I uh, as I ended this last one before the commercial, I talked about the O diet. And I know everyone's like, what's the O diet? Well, it is the diet that people need to be following right now. And I call it the oxytocin diet. But I would love for you to share more about the secret that everyone needs to be like leaning into. Well, we come again. It's the, I, li- I love O diet, Hillary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we were laughing we, over the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what is the O diet? Of course, it's what I've been teaching. I never called it that. <laughs> but it's really well said. Because even in terms of dietary, it's, uh, it's very effective. But what is the old diet? The old diet is uh, a relationship where you're stimulating oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone that became very po- known about in popular sense around 2000, year 2000. I'd been teaching it for eight years before, but finally they did some research on it and showed that for women, when oxytocin is produced, their stress levels go down. Now, why is it very important for stress levels to go down? And that's because when you're experiencing cortisol responses in your body, you go into a fight or flight response, whether you know it or not, because it can be chronic and you just you just think that's how life is. It's just busy and a little stressful, but it could be chronic cortisol. And when that's the case, you have really no control over how you react to things. You just have these reactions that come up where you're upset and you stay upset and you go, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I be happy? Or you feel like, I just can't be happy until my partner changes. Until this situation changes, I can't be happy. But actually, that's something within your control. And it has to be restricted by, if you're producing stress hormones, blood flow goes to the part of the brain that's pessimistic. Now, they've already tested this. When, blood, when, you, when you're in a stress response, your brain goes to, the, to, it's the right prefrontal cortex, which sees problems. And your left prefrontal cortex, prefrontal cortex is optimistic. It sees solutions or it has trust. So what you want is both. Okay. That's the balance. And that would be there. I see problems and I see solutions to it. You know, I see how, and the big solution when you're more advanced in consciousness, this is what we hope people walk away with is the recognition that all your moods, you can change them. See, that's the new enlightenment. Mm, I hope everyone heard that all your moods, you can actually change. Yeah. And for a woman, it's the O diet. See the O diet Mm -hmm. is for men, it's the T diet testosterone diet, not Mm -hmm. taking testosterone, not taking oxytocin, but using relationship skills in order to produce oxytocin in your body. If you're a woman, for a man, it's not so effective. Actually, for a man, too much of it's not good, which is why men need their cave time to rebuild their testosterone. Women need their talking time to feel safe, to feel safer than you feel in the workplace. Well, in the workplace, maybe you're the boss, you're in charge, you're safe on one level, But another level, you can't reveal your insecurities, your doubts, your worries, your embarrassments, your disappointments, your frustrations, your anger. All these are things that get stored inside. And when you get when you're way on your male side, you don't even know they're in there. You don't even you you block them out because what testosterone does, it detaches you from emotions. And what and so when you so so there's a misnomer out there right now that women don't have testosterone. 
Can no, no, you... women, women, of course, have testosterone. It's just that men have, some men have 20 times more. Okay, mm-hmm. so, uh, and 10 times more. Your average man has 10 times more testosterone than a woman. And if his testosterone goes lower than that, he becomes more moody. That means he's going more to his female side. Mm. And what can has... we do to help a guy that starts to become moody? Oh, anytime you're happy, women, you bring a man out of his bad, bad mood. See, women, oh, I remember so this good. one thing. Everyone hear that. The happier we are, it actually oh. helps your relationships. As long as he feels as well that some of that happiness is because of him. <laughs> right. You come home and say, I met this great guy. Boy, was he good in bed. No, that's not what you rah, do. Rah. <laughs> that's not going to help. Okay, so, so walk but, away. When, you know, it's just your attitude all the time. The, the best attitude you try to cultivate, cultivate the attitude of, I'm not, for a woman I'm speaking, I'm not dependent on a man to be happy. I depend on my life to be happy. I depend on him to make me happier and he can make you happier. And the real reality is if you're happy, it's very easy for him to make you happier. Even if he like did the vacuuming of the floor, you suddenly like, I'm ready to have sex, you know? (laughs) This is the thing men don't really realize. It's the little things. The little things. You know, it's not that we need these massive, you know, I, I remember you once shared a story about the flowers you don't have to give, please share this story. I'm not going to say oh, it. But. It's a real simple thing. Men, men think, okay, I'm going to bring you 50 roses and you're going to be really happy. And she is. You, oh, you brought me those roses. That's so nice. What men don't know is you can bring one rose and you'll get almost the same response because that rose creates oxytocin diet. Little things help her feel safe that, that, that you're interested in her. You care about her. You think about her. You do little things for her. And if she asks for something, if it's a small thing, men jump right away. See, if a woman says, oh, we need to change the light bulbs, he goes, not a big deal. I'll wait till, you know, Saturday when I'm doing stuff, maybe I'll do it then, you know, but if it's a little thing and you can do it in five minutes, boom, do it right away. And the same thing in the workplace. If a woman has a request or you see she's needing help with something and you, if you think she's a man, you figure, oh, unless he asks for help, he doesn't want help. See, men don't want help unless they ask for help. And quite often women don't ask, they don't look weak or whatever, or they're afraid that you won't do it for them, so forth. And it's a little thing. So she'll do everything herself, but you go, oh, let me offer to help you with this. And most women go, oh, wow, I can trust this guy. He's a good guy. So I want want women right now to realize that when a man, and hopefully all you guys out there listening, when you offer to help, it is so important to be as a woman willing to say, if you're on a, if you're on an airplane and the guy's like, Hey, can I help you with that bag? Yes. Yes. It helps you. It increases your oxytocin, your O diet and the guys. So it's a good, it's good for everybody. Absolutely. And if you're not getting the support you need in a relationship, you can learn how to ask for it and you'll still get oxytocin and you actually get more oxytocin. This is like even beyond when you feel it's safe for me to ask for help. You see, that's a that's the biggest thing. Most women who, who don't ask for help, they're afraid of a guy saying, can't you do that yourself? Well, you should be able to do that for yourself. Mm. And in the well, It's workplace, a sign of weakness, people. You know, women sign think of weakness. Mm-hmm. And in the workplace, you can't be asking for help. You want to be competent and capable. And Absolutely. so it's, a, it's not, the workplace is primarily designed to show competence. The relationship world is designed, is the oxytocin diet. So here's an example of the oxytocin diet that I'm on. I don't need the oxytocin primarily, but my partner does. So now- Four hugs a day, every for 30 years, 32 years in my marriage. Well, probably took me about eight years to figure this out. But every day I wake up, the first thing I do is I give my wife a hug. 
when I go down to my office and work, I say, honey, I'm going to my office. I want to give you a hug. Sometimes she'd be leaving before me. I say, are you going to the office, the outside office? She said, yeah. I said, oh, I want to give you a hug before you go. Each one of those hugs is a point. It's a point, a point of oxytocin. Now I work hard. Let's say I came home. I go to work. I'm married. You get one point for going to work. You make a thousand dollars. Man thinks, oh, I, I made a lot more today. You're going to get more points. No, you get one point for working hard for her. You get one point for being married to her. <laughs> That's it. You have to build points for oxytocin points. I'll put it that way. Because what happens when oxytocin goes up, her stress goes down. When her stress goes down, she's more op optimistic. She, her mind doesn't loop in negative thoughts. That's an addiction. It, mind will loop that way. And how does she stop it? It just goes on. Oxytocin will stop it. It lowers the stress level in women when they feel safe. So I give two hugs in the morning because when I get up, when I go, when I come home, I give her a hug. I find her first. The kids are jumping all over me when they're little. No, where's your mom? Where's your mom? She's number one. I run to her. I run. I get a point for that. I'm looking for her. Honey, where are you? Are you in the garden? Whatever. You know, this is like this is like the Odai is counting calories here. You're counting these points, guys. And and women understand that this is what we need. We have to the oxytocin, the O diet is all about bonding. It's all about it's, it's, feeling it's a, good. It's about feeling good. Now, when your oxytocin goes up, you now can feel trusting of him. And the number one thing that builds a man's testosterone is when you're anticipating he will be there for you. That's called trust. It's not like I trust you because you're perfect. It's trust that you'll be there to the best you can. And that's good enough for me. So when you ask for something, you're always having to show trust. And that's why don't start asking for the big problem things to change him. Build up his testosterone. Because when men's testosterone goes higher, they're more flexible, they're more generous, and they're selfless. Whenever a man is selfless, his testosterone is the highest. But he also has a female side. Remember that this female side says, I want to do what I like. I want to do what I like. So when he comes home, he goes to his cave. All right, let him do what he likes. That produces testosterone. So that's the whole key to this. Then once his testosterone up, he comes out of the cave. He gives you more time and attention. But if you don't ask for help, he kind of goes, well, what do you need me for? And particularly because you don't know what you need him for to a certain extent. And if what you need him for is just a vacuum in those things, that's nice. But the real stuff that stimulates the oxytocin, and then you feel safe to share your deeper emotions that are not about him. Because when you share deeper emotions about him, he gets defensive because it feels like you're blaming him, putting him down. There's so many more things for the woman who's way on her male side, a lot of things happening in your life that you can share with your partner, but you must learn how to share. First, you must say, you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to say anything. Don't do anything about it. I just need to open up and I will, I will, I want to see myself, you know, as a writer, Many writers say this, I write to know what I think. Mm. I talk to know what I think. This is what happens when you have something inside. A woman talks to know and feel the emotions of what's going on. And it's different from knowing your emotions to being emotional. A lot of people are just emotional, but they don't know really what's deeper in their emotions. Like if anybody's ever angry, they're also afraid. They're also disappointed. Mm -hmm. They're also feeling guilty. I mean, these... These things are always deeper in there and it's easy to access them if you begin to question. So I have the you know, emotional review techniques where you, the feeling letter, where if you're upset, you write out what your emotions are. I'm angry because so it's I'm putting it down. There is the, I don't know if you've seen this, the funniest YouTube video of a guy and a gal sitting there and she's got truly a nail in her nail, forehead. It's not about the nail. Everybody should go watch it's it. It's not so about funny. the nail. And the guy's like, I have a solution. I, all you have to do is like, just take the nail. 
Oh God, it's the funniest thing if you haven't seen it. But here's the thing. I want to um, make sure, John, as we wrap this up, where can people hear more about you? Yes, please read 23 books. They are out there. As you can hear, you can get better in the bedroom. You can get better at the office. You can get, you know, really to that point where you are living that dream of what you want. But what what else can we suggest to them? You know, you don't have to read all 23 books. You can just start with one and it would be Beyond Mars and Venus if you're a businesswoman. If you're more dependent on your husband, then start with Men Are From Mars, more traditional. It will change your life. And even before that, you go to marsvenus.com and you take our free course called How to Get Everything You Want in Your Relationship, written by both my daughter, Lauren, and I. It's brilliant. And it covers the basics. Once you have the basics, then we have all these wonderfully produced blogs. We also have a course on sex. We also have a course for women only. These are things which are available at my website. So now the sex course is the sex course is for both men and women. Oh, of course. Yes. It's just mainly men will go that. <laughs> Actually, women go to that. I shouldn't say men don't take the women only course. So we have both men and women taking the course on sex, but we have men, only women taking the women's only course. And it's, it blows your mind. Six week course. It's amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I don't want anyone to think that the conversation has to end right now with the end of this amazing conversation. Please go over to LinkedIn and, you know, connect with me, Hillary Howard DeCesar. We have so many exciting things going on at the Relaunch Co. Get involved. I haven't even begun to share so much about having you relaunch into that next best version of you, creating that lifestyle of success. And each lifestyle of success is different for everyone. John, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.